0: Hi everybody, welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast. I'm really excited about today's episode. I have my friend Vasa V. Kumar on to talk about her incredible book, Say It Out Loud. Vas and I met in Austin and became really fast friends. This episode is all about saying the desire or saying the intrusive thought out loud and the importance of that. I know this is going to serve so many of you. Thank you for being here. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the wise woman podcast. I'm so excited to present my friend Vasavi Kumar, author, speaker and host and truly one of my new friends here in Austin. I'm so excited to have you on. Hey, Vas.
1: Hi, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I know that your podcast is a place that people really learn and grow from. So it's truly an honor to be here on this beautiful Monday morning. Yes. Yay.
0: Yes. Yeah, I'm so excited as well and we're talking about something very specific today which I am so excited to get into. You have this incredible book coming out. Say it out loud. Tell us about this book.
1: So, I'm I've been trying to keep this really short and sweet. So, here we go. Um, Say It Out Loud is a book that teaches you how to talk to and respond back to all the different parts of you. Um, I believe that inside every single One of us, we have many different parts. These parts have their own sub-personalities. These sub-personalities have their own tone of voice, texture and quality in which they speak. And if we do not know how to understand and manage these voices in our head, what ends up happening is that they manage us and we don't end up managing the voices in our head. And so it's a lot harder for us to really listen to our deepest thoughts and feelings and courageously pursue our dreams so say it out loud is a book that teaches you how to talk to yourself every single part of you
0: this is such an important conversation because i think it's our generation and the younger generation that really normalized intrusive thoughts or like even having thoughts that maybe were not kind like and possibly quite intrusive and harmful and not of highest good are these the thoughts that you're speaking to and or also thoughts that are loving and kind and positive.
1: Yes, all the thoughts. And it's it's the parts of us that have desires. It's the parts of us that have that offer resistance when we're going after something new or bigger that's going to ha- have us expand. But I really just wanna actually go to the intrusive thoughts, what you just said. As someone who has lived with bipolar disorder for over 21 years, I am no stranger to intrusive thoughts. I know what it's like to be completely at peace, washing dishes, And then all of a sudden, my mind feels like it's attacking me. And I've had these attacking, intrusive thoughts for over 20 years. It started way back when I was a kid, but I was given this label of bipolar disorder when I was 19. So the way that I learned to talk to and understand these intrusive thoughts was to offer kindness to them. But but before I even got to a place of offering kindness and um, compassionate curiosity, which I refer to in my book, I had to actually give those intrusive thoughts a voice. I think it's really easy to take these intrusive thoughts, these thoughts that maybe feel like they're attacking us and just kind of silence them and say, oh, stop, I don't have time for you right now or sweep these thoughts under the rug. But for me, in order for me to have a sense of serenity and sanity inside of my mind, I learned to understand those thoughts by saying them out loud and then tapping into a different energy in me. I call it the voice of God, the voice of our higher self, the voice of, wisdom and be able to respond back with more love and more kindness
0: this is normalizing Mm -hmm. i i think a mental health crisis that you know we're we're currently in right now i mean maybe we've always been in it can you give us an example of of what that
1: would look like yeah i mean it it recently just happened. Um, so I, you know, in full transparency, I decided to get back on mood stabilizers April 1st of this year, uh, 2023. And the re- what led up to that, and in full transparency, I've never talked about this out loud actually, I noticed that no matter what I was doing, okay, so I think I lead a pretty holistic uh, well life where I move my body, I hydrate, I sleep eight hours a day. I have great boundaries. I know how to disconnect from social media. I consume information that's more pleasant to me rather than putting myself in the line of fire. And I know my triggers really, really well. Um, You know, as as someone who's lived with this for over 20 years, I've had to learn how to understand my triggers and manage my triggers. But I noticed like in the most recent past, you know, no matter what I was doing, Aaron, no matter how many practices I had in my life, no matter how deep my relationship with God was within, I found my mind attacking me. It would bring up specifically stuff from my childhood and try to cause fights in my head with me and my mother and me and my sister. So within my family of origin, I consider this part of my brain, let's call it the bipolar part of my brain. This is the most traumatized part of my brain that has been rejected and abandoned from a very young age emotionally. And so that's how it it just became very loud in these past few months because I had developed so much peace externally. I'm like, okay, everything's going great. I have a great group of friends. I attract wonderful people in my life, such as yourself. I have great habits. Why am I still feeling so sad? Why am I still feeling like my mind is attacking me? And I had this moment where I was like, it should not be this hard to feel good when I'm doing the most. I'm doing the most, yet my mind still is attacking me. And that's when I realized, you know, I'm okay with getting on medication. No matter what holistic practitioners and coaches out there say, you cannot think your way through a mental illness. And I had to really humble myself real hard. And I had to have a conversation with myself. And that conversation went something like this. I was like, Voss, actually refer to myself by my first name. I said, Vas, you have a great calling, a big calling in this world. You've gone through a lot of suffering in your life. You've endured so much in your life. You are here to be of service and um, pay it forward. And to relieve those who suffer in silence, you're not going to get to where you want to go if your mind is constantly attacking you. Because I knew I was doing all the things. It's not like I was just relying on a medication, right? I'm doing all the things, Aaron, and I'm doing them with such mindfulness and intention. And so that's why I decided you know, a few months ago, I, I I need to get on medication for me. Um, I'm on a very low dosage. And um, I also take some thyroid medication because I I have Hashimoto's, you know, hypothyroidism, and I'm feeling great. But I just had a moment where I was like, it it, it really shouldn't be this hard when I'm doing all this. So that's how that came up for me.
0: And just to give everybody background, Vas and I connected through a mutual friend. Vas mm-hmm. is from like a very Jewish area in New York. And as all my listeners know, I lived in India for a while. Yeah. So we went out and we got coffee and we're chanting <laughs> Hindu Sanskrit yes. as we're walking down the street and FaceTiming your mom, which is so sweet. Can you tell us a little bit about your spiritual practices and how your faith weaves in to everything that you are healing right now?
1: I'm very lucky because from a very young age, you know, I grew up in a Hindu Brahmin household. We were taught from a very young age. My mother, she I mean, even at the age of four or five, she said to me, like she always told me, Tatvamasi, Tatvamasi in Sanskrit is I am that. I don't think she knew if I, whether I understood it or not. But my mother said from a young age, there is no God out there. There is no God up there. You are that. The creator and the creation are one and the same. Of course, I had no idea what that meant in real life, like in everyday interactions with others and myself. But my mom said from a very young age, she told me, you are no separate from God. You are that God. There, I mean, so it's, that, that's the biggest difference between Hinduism and Christianity, right? With Christianity, there's duality. and Hinduism, we believe in Advaita, which is there is no duality. There's just oneness. There's that unity between you and that creator. So I had that knowledge uh, planted in my head from a very young age. And so even through all my trials and tribulations, whether it was my mental health diagnosis, whether it was being diagnosed with bipolar disorder, whether it was dealing with my cocaine addiction and having to go to rehab twice, my divorce... I just always had this like voice in my head. I like to call it the voice of God. That was like, "Boss, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay." And so for me, my spiritual practice really does boil down to being quiet and still not necessarily through a meditation practice. I'll be I'll be straight up with you. I don't sit and meditate, but what I do do is I am acutely aware of the voices in my head and I make sure that my mind is a safe place. And the way that I make sure that my mind is a safe and serene place is by being acutely aware of what am I saying to myself? What are the thoughts in my head? I had to become acutely aware of that, Erin, because when I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I was only 19 years old. What the hell do you know at 19 years old? I didn't know anything. But I remember driving down the Long Island Expressway uh, (laughs) in New York and having these racing thoughts in my head and i said to myself if i can just understand what these thoughts are trying to say to me like what is what are they trying to say to me you know why do i have so many fast thoughts the way i was able to slow down and spiritually connect back with myself is by saying these thoughts out loud and by saying these thoughts out loud i was able to distinguish between are these thoughts helpful or are they harmful where do these thoughts belong in my life so i learned how to organize my mind and that for me is the greatest spiritual gift that I can give myself is to be clear inside of my mind, and so for me, clarity of mind and organization of my mind has really helped me connect to the God within me.
0: That's really beautiful, and it's uh, finding a, a one size model that works for you. And I want to dive in a little bit deeper because you come from a very you come from a very sacred lineage, and obviously in the West we take this yogic philosophy and we interpret it in many super westernized ways. And you live uh, in a very Hindu lifestyle. I mean, your your diet, your vegetarian, mm-hmm. and how you move throughout your day, are there any specific practices in your day-to-day or even how your diet influences your life?
1: Yeah, I mean, we were raised vegetarian because Ahimsa, as you know, nonviolence is one of the core tenets of Hinduism. I And my mom always said, you know, nonviolence also means you don't judge people who eat meat. So from a young age, she said, it's no point uh, not killing animals, but then you're going to judge people who do eat meat. So I've made that, that, that's always been kind of my foundation. I, you know, nonviolence isn't just, oh, extending that compassion to animals, it's also to our fellow human beings. And that means I don't judge somebody who eats meat. One thing that I do, I don't know how uh, Hindu this is, I, I, but I saw my dad doing this from a young age. One thing that I do every single day, multiple times a day, is that no matter if I'm passing a mirror, I'm passing a window. Anytime I see my reflection, I stop and I acknowledge myself and I say something to myself to boost myself up. I say something to myself to acknowledge how I'm looking, how I'm feeling, how I'm showing up. If I'm feeling crappy about myself, I will look in the mirror and I will have a pep talk with myself. And I do that because left to the confines of my own mind, I can be really mean to myself. I mean, I know what it's like to hate myself, which is why I've dedicated myself, my life to loving myself, which is why I understand when people don't love themselves, I'm like, listen, you don't even know where my mind goes. You know, I, I, I don't ever think I'm better than people. I go, I'm actually worse than you. You should see how dark my mind goes. But one of my everyday practices is to look in the mirror every single day. I look in the mirror every single day. I say out loud how I'm feeling. I give myself a pep talk because I, if I am that God that my mother said, if I am that creator and that creation, then I take it as my responsibility to be that loving, kind force to myself. The other thing that I do every single day before I even, before my feet even hit the ground, you know, I wake up in the morning, I run my own business, you run your own business. The work never ends, it never ends. There's always something for us to do. And so, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're always on to the next, thinking about the next idea. And this is a blessing and a curse. So, what I do every single day, I say out loud, Thank you, God, for another day alive. And I say that because you know, with the amount of drugs that I used to do back in the day, I definitely could have had a heart attack. I definitely could have, you know, taken something that just wasn't obviously clean or, you know, just awful, you know, that could have given me some sort of heart attack or stroke or whatever. So I thank God every single day before my feet even touch the ground. And then I make my bed And this feels very uh, Christian. I don't, I think I learned this in rehab, but I do get down on my knees and I do pray at the foot of my bed. And I do that because I am someone who has historically thought that I can do it all. I am God. And I know that. And I know that I just said that I am God and God is me. But if you do not humble yourself, you can think that you can almost overpower that higher energy. And and I don't want to ever do that again. I don't want to be so prideful that I think that I am the shot caller in my life. For me, it's important. It's important for me to humble myself every day and release that control, release that control. There's only so much I can do as a human being. I am limited. I am limited as a human being. However, with the energy of God and that limitless energy, we call it Brahman, we call it the consciousness, Atman, uh, you know, the, that ever, the omnipresent energy that we have. With that acknowledgement, yes, I can, I can do whatever I want. But it, it, the buck doesn't just stop at me, right? So I get down on my knees every day. Uh, the other day, I, I, was, I was going through a lot. And I just said to God, and it was so hard for me to say this, even though I've been through the 12-step program, And I've had to admit my powerlessness. I said to God, I go, I need you to really help me. I need you to help me. I was was going through a lot emotionally and it felt really good. It felt really good to just say, I need help. So I make it a point to say that every few days, I need help, you know, just to remind myself that I don't have to do it alone. Yeah.
0: Voss, this is so, there's such a sacredness in exactly what you're saying. Full prostration, which is... Child's pose in Hinduism, very common in Islam, where you are really putting your full heart on the earth. You are bowing forward. Humility in Judaism, yes, maybe, especially if it's the 12 steps, of course, it's in a Christianic lineage uh, or verbiage. Mm -hmm. But this idea of surrender and humility and full prostration and heart on the earth and, and devotion to God, it's one of the tethers of all religion. So it's a very that's a very serene and powerful practice because you're right. We think we can control it all in this practice of surrender, you're leaning into this this energy that's going to guide you back into alignment, back into your body. How are you feeling now?
1: Well, I actually just wanted to say this. I'm feeling a little emotional right now because I'm thinking about the fact, you know, one of the things that angers me more than anything, Aaron, I think I might have told you this how, Hinduism has become so westernized and it's become capitalized. It's become monetized. And I, I met you and I instantly fell in love with you because I saw how much you revered the culture and the religion and the source. And I'm just I'm actually a little moved to tears because I'm like, man, it feels so good to talk to someone who really understands the simplicity of all of this, that it's you know, it's not about the green juice and the Lululemon and your yoga gear and all of that, it really is the everyday prostration and the everyday surrendering, which isn't easy because I have tendencies to be a control freak, you know? You know how hard it is for somebody like me to surrender? It is so hard for somebody like me to surrender, especially if you have not felt a sense of safety in your life, you do feel like you have to control everything. So I'm actually just a little moved to tears you know, that I'm able to talk to someone who really understands what I'm saying, not just like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's I know I know where your heart is. And I want your listeners to know this. I know they listen to you all the time and I know they love you, but I just need them to hear it from me. It really touches my heart when I meet someone, especially someone who's who's white or who's, who's not Indian, who has lived in India, who's lived in the ashrams, and who really gets the sanctity of what our scriptures teach and our practices. So I just want to say thank you.
0: Yeah. Vas, that means so much to me. Thank you.
1: Yeah, you're welcome.
0: Because it is a comfort, it's a big conversation, cultural appropriation, and I yeah, I really have a strong belief system. I mean so much of organized religion is saying the same thing in a different way. And it's the details that are different. And I I, you know, it's not worth losing. Uh, I was talking to a girlfriend recently and I love her with my whole heart. We see the world so differently. It's not worth the details to lose a friendship. It's just it's not. Why would I let the details interfere with that? And of course, I mean, as a Jewish woman, like the Kabbalah, the red string, the going up on the chair, doing the horror at your wedding, um, like so many of these like different, very sacred customs, they're actually quite universal. I mean, even women gathering in circle, Rosh Hodesh is such a sacred yogic, uh, sa- such a sacred Jewish practice. And yet, if you're going to look at Native American c- culture, we gathered in circles. If you look at any culture, women gathered in the kitchen, like so many of these things are really sacred, really holy, really healing. And my hope is that people will find the one, right? Find the one. And And I want to add, and I know you and I talked a little bit about cancel culture, it's If you have yet to find the thing that heals you, so if you're listening to this and you're in the thick of the high intensity emotion, you're in the moment, I do think there's some fear that people are maybe staying away from yoga or yogic philosophy because they fear that they're going to add into the cultural appropriation of it or the westernization of it in America or in the West, right? Or in North America and South America. And it's the thing that healed me. Right. Like I lived in Israel, I lived in India, but it kind of brought me back to synagogue. And I I think there's something really important there. Mm -hmm. So find the thing that resonates with you. Be as respectful as possible. Learn the lineage, like have the name to it, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: because it really it's a big modern day conversation.
1: That's what I love about you is that you educated yourself. It wasn't just about the doing for you. Like, yes, there are actions that you can take. You can do yoga. You can sit in meditation. You can chant the mantras. You can do that. That's what I really appreciate is that you are an educated woman. You have, you have dedicated your life and your mental space and intellect to understand. You probably know more than I do to be straight up. Like I'm very well aware of that because listen, I'm going to be honest when you are born in it and it is force-fed in you, we were force-fed this stuff. I mean, we were not allowed to watch cartoons. We woke up every Saturday and Sunday and went to the Hindu temple to chant the Suprabhatam every morning. My mom would play that shit early in the morning. And I'm like, oh God. Okay, so I guess we're not watching Saved by the Bell. My point is you have a tendency to, I had a tendency to take it for granted. Um, And so I always appreciate but you know i obviously have a very solid foundation because we went to hindu school my mother you know forest it, and i'm so grateful we went to india every year went to all the south indian temples and and did all the customs and because we're brahmin you know we had all the rituals but what i really appreciate about you is that you you really care about what you're doing and how you speak about it and you really you know dedicated your life to being educated and not just doing it for the sake of doing it. In Hindi, there's a phrase. I think I told you this, nam ke vaste. Just doing it for namesake. I'm just doing it to do it. But you don't do it to do it. You 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 be it. And so I really appreciate that about you. And I that respect you so much. much. Yeah, Vas, you're the
0: best. I really. And the way that we clicked is like <laughs> every Jew needs an Indian, every Indian needs a Jew. Yes, like that. That was kind of the the relationship that
1: ignited. Well, I'm a brown Jew. I've told you this. I'm a brown dude. Like literally next time I see you, we're going to get some bagels. We're going to do the whole schmear. You know, we're going to have all the things and we're going to have a great time. I'm going to. You know, I again. love it. Yeah.
0: I'll make a kitchery and you'll make a lox yes. plate. Yes, absolutely. Down. For everybody who's listening, can you explain Brahman as it's probably a new concept?
1: So so uh, Brahmin is part of the caste system. Brahman is consciousness my mother said brahman is a consciousness it's the awareness there is no form there is no gender you know we have our avatars we have our uh, ganesha we have our idols i was looking for one we have our idols and those are the avatars or the manifestations of this all supreme brahman but like the highest level of hinduism i guess would be like that there is no actual god there's just a state of consciousness. It's just a state of being. And so, yeah, we have Ganesha, we have Hanuman, we have Lakshmi, we have Saraswati, we have Rama, we have Shiva, we have all these idols. And I love having idols because as human beings, it's hard for us to focus. So it's nice to focus on an idol. But ultimately, this is what my mother taught me, is that there really is no idol, right? What what exists is just what is. And what is has no shape, has no form. It's just it just is, it just exists. That gave me a sense of freedom. So that's what I was referring to when I said Brahman. Brahman is consciousness, that is awareness, that is just, it's, I, if I had to simplify it, it's, it's like you watching you, but the you that's watching you is not you, the human, it's just this awareness. It's not me, it's just awareness watching you. I mean, even saying it, I'm like, Man, it's not really something I can put into words. It's more of an experience. When I was a kid, I would say this to my father. I'd said to him, I feel like I have a cameraman watching me at all times. I really think I was referring to Brahman. I was referring to my awareness. Cause I said to my father, I feel like I'm watching me. I feel like there's a camera always watching me. I think that's what I was talking to. I just always felt like it was me watching me but it wasn't me Vasavi, it was just this entity. Does that make sense? I'm trying to say it the best way that I can. Yeah.
0: There's a really powerful spiritual practice where in every single moment you are looking at yourself from the corner of your room. So we're having this conversation, but there's also a version or like a yeah. consciousness and awareness of myself in the corner of the room watching us. And also we're explaining a sacred Hindu concept in English and I, I words don't can't. suffice. Yeah. I just We're never yeah, it. we're not yeah. going to have the right language. Yeah.
1: What a great question though. Yeah. We try. I'm not even going to try to act like I can. It's just a feeling. And I, and my wish is that everyone gets to experience that. So you can see yourself, go outside of yourself and see yourself. That's what I hope for everyone listening.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah. Who is the perfect person for this
1: book? Oof, this is perfect for the person who really wants to feel safe inside of their minds. I want you I want your mind to feel like a beautiful garden where anything can thrive. It's for the person who acknowledges that they have many different voices in their head. This is not for somebody if, you, if it's not just for somebody who has some sort of mental health challenge like ADHD, anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, cool, it will definitely be helpful, but and I I know traditional marketing says you should have a very clear niche and all that stuff. But I'm going to say this is for my people out there who have been suffering in silence. The voices in your head are getting louder and louder. It's stopping you from going after the thing that you want. You're being mean to yourself. I want you to learn how to be kinder and less judgmental towards yourself so that you can actually start speaking to yourself in a way that gets you the results that you want and helps you to move forward. And, and so, yeah, I mean, this is for anyone who has voices in their head. Beautiful. Yeah.
0: I think that's an incredible niche. Thanks. Yeah. Basically, that sounds good all to me.
1: Basically all yeah. of humanity. Basically
0: yeah, Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. And yeah. And it's going to help so many people. Thank you. It really, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to get, I'm going to get the book on Thursday. I can't wait. Thank you. Assuming this podcast goes viral and everyone around the world gets to hear your wise wisdom, what is something that you would like to share with them?
1: I would like to share with everyone listening that your shame shrivels when you say it out loud. And so if you're living with shame and self-hatred and self-loathing and you've disconnected from yourself and you're just ashamed of that, you're you're just ashamed of who you are. I know what it's like to to live with a lot of shame and, and feel ashamed of just who I am as a person. I promise you, That when you learn to say out loud what you're saying to yourself, no matter how unkind and mean and ugly it is. I've said some pretty ugly things to myself. I can get really ugly with myself. But when you say it out loud and you witness yourself and you hear what you're saying to yourself, you offer that part of you just a little bit of relief. And I want you to know that you don't have to suffer in silence. And when you say it out loud, whether it's to somebody else that you feel safe with, even if it's to a therapist that you have to pay. And let's say you don't have the resources to do that. That's okay, too. You always have yourself, because at least when you say it out loud with yourself, you know that you are listening. And so this is really your opportunity to shrivel that shame. And the way that you do that is by saying it out loud, being the kind witness to yourself and being the kind voice to yourself that you offer so generously to other people.
0: I really love that because I think so often everybody thinks that they need a therapist. Mm -hmm. And that's that's truthfully not accessible for everyone. And you can be your own witness. Yes, beautiful. Your own witness. Yeah. How can we find you?
1: You can find me on my website vasavikumar.com. You can go ahead and order the book there. I also want to share that I do have a virtual book club starting in June for everyone who pre-orders. So go to VasaviKumar.com forward slash order the book. You can also find me on Instagram. My handle is my name is Vasavi. If you love this episode, please tag Erin and I and let us know that you loved this episode. Feel free to send me a voice note. Use your voice. I will message you back.
0: (laughs) You're the best, Vas. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Thank you.